Before we start today's episode of the I'm Fine podcast, we want to make sure to thank our sponsors. Our first sponsor is Smart Local 265. Smart Local 265 is a sheet metal union based out of Carroll Stream, Illinois. Its membership consists of roughly 1,869 members. With over 150 contractors providing work to over nine local, local counties, Local 265 specializes in all things HVAC. From commercial to residential, to industrial, to architectural, Smart Local 265 does it all. With their four-year apprenticeship program, Smart Local 265 trains some of the industry's most skilled HVAC mechanics in addition to doing volunteer work in their communities and donating to local charities like Project Headspace and Timing throughout the year. For more information on locating a qualified contractor or how to become a member of the Smart Local 265 team, please visit smart265.org. And lastly, we want to make sure we thank our, uh, our partner for this episode, TRIO. As adults, we sometimes dream of continuing our education to advance our career. But where do we even begin? TRIO can help you take the very first step. The TRIO Educational Opportunity Center, located at Governor State University and serving those 19 and over in several local counties, specializes in GEDs, financial aid, scholarship and admission applications, tutoring, career counseling, and more. TRIO is founded, uh, excuse me, TRIO is funded through the Department of Education and all services are free to participants. Veterans are also encouraged to apply. To learn more and apply, please visit www govst.edu forward slash trio eoc on today's episode of the i'm fine podcast we're going to be talk uh, we're going to be talking about being freaked out insecure neurotic and emotional about depression we're going to uh, define it talk about the symptoms types causes and prevention with a good friend of ours and retired marine gunnery sergeant Kristen rubio Welcome to the I'm Fine Podcast with your freaked out, insecure, neurotic, and emotional hosts, Eric Peterson and Brad Stozik. Kristen, thank you very much for being here today. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Yeah, very welcome. I guess before we even start, how did we how did we meet? We met we've known each other for has it been a year? It's almost a year. Two. Has it been two? Karen. Has, that's how we met Karen. Yeah, that's right. Okay, that's so right. Karen introduced me to Jackie Haas. Jackie Haas introduced me to you. Yep. And in addition to the billions of other things that you're doing, you're also helping us out with Spartan Shield. You're helping us out on the crisis intervention side and uh, and on the outreach side with Veiled Valor. Um, what made you, before we even get into the topic, like when you got out and you came back to this community like why did you want to get more involved what what was it that you were looking for you know what i mean help yeah i needed help myself yeah like what was going on well when you move a bunch of places all the time it's like you get established here and then oh boom two years later you're moving somewhere else oh right. two years later you're moving somewhere else and sometimes you don't know the people and so i was struggling financially because i'd gotten out somebody messed up my paperwork um, for retirement i wasn't getting paid correctly so i went to see karen at the vac and she was like whoa it was really just somebody clicked the wrong box they yeah. checked no combat deployments on my retirement paperwork and so I 
she submitted all the paperwork. Really, I didn't do any work. And I told her, like, hey, this has put me in a bad situation. And then she said, hey, I think you need to talk to Jackie Haas because nobody should go 41 months without pay. Right. And Jesus. so um, I set up a meeting with Jackie. And then Jackie, you know, broke into, like, what all do you struggle with? Where all do you go? What all do you do? Hey, you need to meet this guy. Eric Peterson's a great guy. And everything she explained was like, hey, I need that guy in my life. Yeah. And then I met you and I thought, hey, I need to be that guy or girl for a lot of other people that are struggling and don't know where to go. Yeah, 100%. Especially because like, it's no offense to anybody that got out at a lower rank like myself and like Brad, but you got out as a gunny. So yeah. it's like you spent a considerable amount of time in service. Yeah. You worked your way up through the ranks. You got a leadership rank and then you got out and then it's like, have fucking fun once yeah, you get was, out. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. It was like, hey, the VA is going to take, we know you're injured, but the VA is going to take care of you when you get out. Except it doesn't work like that. Yeah, no, 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 no. It never works about, it never works like that, which is an excellent way to lead into today's topic. Yes. Depression. Yay. Yay. <laughs> Depression. Yeah. Uh, so... Yeah. Um, to get into it, just like following the same kind of plan we did uh, with our last episode about anxiety, I want to go ahead and start by defining what depression is first. So this is per an article on SciCom.net. So depression, otherwise known as major depressive disorder or clinical depression, is a common and serious mood disorder. Those who suffer from, de uh, from depression experience persistent feelings of sadness and hopelessness and lose interest in activities that they once enjoyed. Uh, aside from emotional problems caused by depression, individuals can also present with a physical symptoms like chronic pain or digestive issues. And to be diagnosed with depression, symptoms have to be present for at least two weeks. So for like me, what's today? Today's Friday. It's been about like 12 years. So I'm pretty sure I'm like solid <laughs> on that. Like I think I got that one. Um, yeah. but, and with the, the definition, I also wanted to make sure that I took a second to uh, specify the difference between like just fucking being sad yeah. and being depressed. So I looked into that a little bit. Uh, the difference between depression and just sadness, sadness is a normal emotion that everyone experiences at some point in their life. Like at the end of a relationship, um, you lose your job, you have a sad movie, whatever. But sadness is typically caused by something, right? Excuse me. Like an event, person, situation, whatever. Whereas depression doesn't need a trigger. Uh, also, with sadness, you can still enjoy your favorite stuff, TV shows, spending time with friends, all that other stuff. But depression, you don't want to do shit. Yep. Uh, some other differences between the two. Sadness, you can still like eat the way you normally ate. Uh, your sleeping habits are the same. Your opinion on yourself is probably the same. Whereas with depression, like your eating habits, sleeping habits, all that stuff, completely fucked. Uh, you might be looking at yourself like you're worthless and saying those types of things to yourself. And, and those are, you know, those are some of the differences between sadness and depression. And finally, the last one I found uh, with sadness. You know, it's just an emotion that you're going through at the moment. You don't think about suicide or self-harm, whereas with depression, you know, those ideas could be could be way more prevalent. Um, and I just thought, you know, it's pretty important to, like, kind of differentiate between the two things, especially now when everybody's like, oh, I have OCD. Oh, yeah. I have, like, this, I have that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, well, TikTok far, is, like, the new doctors. Yeah, lots of fucking <laughs> doctors. Um, as far as symptoms, Brad, yeah, yeah, what yeah. you find there? Um, a lot of stuff you just mentioned, but these were according to the Mayo Clinic. Um, feelings of sadness, fearfulness, emptiness, or hopelessness. 
uh, having angry outbursts, uh, loss of interest and pleasure in most or all normal activities, such as sex, hobbies, or sports, uh, sleep, um, sleep disturbances, both too much or too little sleep, uh, tiredness and lack of energy, reduced appetite and weight loss, or also increased appetite and weight gain, um, anxiety or restlessness, slowed thinking, speaking, or body movements, uh, feelings of worthlessness or guilt, um, self-blame, and, um, and focusing on past failures, uh, trouble concentrating, frequent thoughts of death or self-harm, and unexplained physical pain, so like random back pain or getting, getting headaches. Can I tell you that like one of the weirdest parts about this? Like this podcast is like, you know, we look into all these fucked up symptoms, not fucked up. But we look into all these disorders and then you're just like, I got that one. I, I got that, that one. Yeah, I got check, that one. Check. <laughs> check. Like, oh, no. <laughs> uh, but and so we talked about this and I don't know if you guys are super comfortable talking about it, but like I've had a history of depression. that's kind of been uh, more of a symptom of, I think, my PTSD. And it's something that I kind of deal with a lot. Like the last time I fucking dealt with it, for me, depression just doesn't let me enjoy shit. So no matter how good like something is. So for example, um, recently I went to the to celebrate my best friend's bachelor party. And we did it at the Lumberjack World Championships, which was fucking awesome. And the first day we went, everything was great. We had a really good time. Second day we went, for some reason... Out of nowhere, this little seed gets planted into my head where I'm just like, oh, you're not uh, saying the things you should be saying. You're not being as much fun as you could be. Uh, this is going to get taken that, the wrong way. That's going to get taken the wrong way. And then like anxiety kind of creeps in. It's like, hey, man, you know, I saw depression coming in here. I'm just going to kind of hang out. And then all of a sudden, like I start getting anxious because of the depression and then I start getting more depressed because how fucking anxious I am. And then before I know it, I'm at the bottom of this hole that I dug myself in where I just, and I don't know where it comes from, but like a lot of the times for me, if I'm doing something fun or for myself, like the thoughts will start to creep into my head where I'm just like not letting myself, I guess, enjoy it or just be in a good mood. And I have the same things like with my wife. My wife is phenomenal. And I'm not just saying that because she's probably listening to this. I'm saying it because like we've worked through a lot and sometimes things are just going really well. And out of nowhere, it's almost like I need to self-sabotage or something. And I start getting these weird thoughts in my head again. And then it just starts again between like anxiety and depression. They just like feed off each other until I get into this weird place. I mean, what do you guys have you guys had to deal with depression? If so, like, what was what was your struggle like? Okay. I'll go first. Yeah. Okay, so I first dealt with depression with um, after I had my third child, uh, uh, ten months straight, and I had no idea. Yeah. I just, even as an active duty marine, I thought like, why do I hate my job? You didn't know that it was depression, right? Right. Didn't yeah. know it all. Yeah, yeah. And it didn't seem like people around me knew. Um, they just thought like. Hey, how come you're giving away your business? Hey, how come you're not coaching sports anymore? Hey, come, how come you're not doing this? And I just kept thinking is because I don't want to, because I don't feel good, because I don't like it, because of, whatever. And so, like you said, where you self-sabotage, I do that before I even go to a thing like, oh, there's a demolition derby today. Like, mm, there's probably going to be a lot of people. It's probably going to be hot. Like, I just start to build yep. all these thoughts like before when really like it's probably going to be badass. 
Well, like you're just building the situation in your head that hasn't even fucking it happened yet, happened. and then you're psyching yourself out of it, and like it's it hasn't even happened yet. And then yeah. if I don't go, I've like convinced myself why it's okay to not go because, mm-hmm. but it's fine. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And um, I feel like so that was the start of it, and that came from like the dark of the dark military sexual trauma. Yeah, and yeah. Like, what do you do? And so then I was pregnant when that happened. Then I had my kid. My kid's like so happy. Like most people are like, oh my gosh, I just had a baby. It's so great. And I'm like, oh, I feel like I want to eat the bullet. Right. And so I'm thinking like, who could be this sad? But like, I just had my third healthy child. Right. And I have an awesome job. I have an awesome house. I'm married. Like all these cool things are happening. But it's like I talked myself into this hole, like you said. And then finally at 10 months in, um, I said, Hey, I need to get some help, you know, in the Marine Corps. They're like, Oh, you should meet God. Like, right. Well, yeah. Cool story, bro. Yeah. Um, and so fast forward though, it's still like a thing because you get out of the military. Then like, what do you have? Like, you don't have the camaraderie. You don't have the groups. You don't have all the stuff that you were once connected to. You don't Mm -hmm. have like the, especially retired, like everybody my age goes to work every day. Right. I don't. I sit at home. Right. So then I had to go find work and I had to go find things to do to like keep out of this hole that I was in. Yeah. And, um, you know, pain causes it, all these things for me. So then now I've had to like create the opposite of what I've created. So I give myself anxiety because the negative thoughts come in and then I'm like, no, 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 overload with positive thoughts. And then I'm like, you guys are fighting each other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that and also the one thing that I didn't want to just gloss over, military sexual trauma is something that's definitely going to, it needs its own fucking episode. Oh, I don't want to just like gloss over that super fucking quick. So I just wanted to say that because common sense is common experience and that's not something that I ever had to deal with or experience, thankfully. And whenever I hear stories about that, it just, it, it really uh, makes me feel terrible that somebody else went through that. So it sucks that you fucking went through that. But also, uh, I mean, yeah, the, when you get out and again, we've talked about this before with any veteran that's come on our show is that like you have everything for you and you're still in and you know that like, if you're having a shitty day, you're going to go down the hall, down the block, whatever. You're going to talk to somebody who gets it. Everything's going to be fine. But then when you're out, like you have to do the opposite of one of the core values, regardless of your branch, one of the core values of like every branch is selflessness, right? You have to be selfless. You have to be there for your brothers, your sisters. You would die for them. You would kill for them. And then you get out and you have to start doing shit for yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's really hard for most most veterans that I know to do because we're not selfish. Like we were supposed to be selfless. And now I got to fight for my benefits. I don't even want these fucking benefits at the moment. Like there's other people that I know, other people that I served with that deserve these benefits. I don't need anything. I'm fucking fine until you have that moment where you're like, Oh shit, no, I'm not fine. And usually it happens. There are times where it happens too late. Hopefully, you have somebody in your corner, some support system, something that can let you know that can be the canary in the coal mine and be like, I think you need to get some fucking help or something. You know what I mean? But, uh, yeah. Brad, what about yeah. you, man? Uh, well, lately I've been pretty uh, all right, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, depression I mean, as a whole, though, have you ever really had any issues with that? Oh, yeah. Pretty much up since when my parents got divorced in eighth grade was my first go with, yeah. at, with like therapy yeah so i did that and my grandma passed away at the same time 
and then dude my entire military career i was pretty pretty depressed yeah yeah um i was a cook you know you guys know that and it's not that great of a job <laughs> i mean i know i know everyone has to eat and like i get i understand that and stuff but yeah but also you can't fucking guilt yourself for doing your job you that's, know what i mean like that was true. your job you did your job that's true like you needed to do your job every job that exists in the military short of officers needs to exist so i mean you did your job that's and true. you shouldn't make yourself feel bad about that and the other thing that i think is the most impressive thing about you is the fact that i asked you what makes you depressed and you didn't fucking bring up the fact that you we used to be able to see and now you're fucking blind. Oh, I was getting there. I was okay. Just, I was right, just timelining. Right. I was going to say, dude, you were just glass half full. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. blindness I mean, doesn't I mean, fucking bother you. I never have to be the DD. Ever. Which is also true. And I mean, I've offered. The amount of blind yeah. jokes that I've seen, especially since <laughs> we started that mental health first aid, we did a mental health first aid <laughs> class for the for the veterans and Project Headspace and Timing that yeah. are doing Spartan Shield, which is our veteran advocacy and crisis program. And like... There's only like 10 of them in there, and I heard so many blind jokes like <laughs> in the first five minutes. Like I said to you, I was like, hey, dude, um, I just want to make sure you're okay with this. No, and you're good. like, no, nah, man, this is totally fine. Well, even, even the instructor was cracking jokes, and the one time she goes, I had a blind dog once, and I was like, wow, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you get where I'm coming from yeah. then, because you had a blind dog. Yeah, yeah I was yeah, like... Yeah. I was like the dog. I totally understand the dog's feelings. I have a minority friend, yeah. so I understand. Yeah. Anyway, um, uh, uh, yeah. So you were saying in the mil the military, I just it, I was not happy in the military. Yeah. I was hospitalized for mental health. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's pretty bad. And then afterwards, obviously, the whole going blind thing hits pretty hard. I mean, yeah. I, I fucking bet it would. Yeah. Yeah. I think the the thing that hits the hardest is the uh, lack of not being like. It feels like my freedom was taken away. Right. Because I can't just get in my car and go. No. So it's, and it seemed like you didn't have a... You had you had support in that you have a loving family, and you had you definitely had that support, but it's like it, it seemed like you were looking for some more just like people to talk to yeah. when we first met like years ago. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. And now... Uh, we have a text chain with all the assholes <laughs> from our mental health first aid class, and they're just talking shit to you like almost on a daily basis. It's great though; I love isn't it. Isn't that isn't that good for your depression? It, I love it. Yeah, I really do. We figured it out. Okay, <laughs> but just for the listeners who don't know, um, Brad probably uses like a Braille iPhone. Yeah, <laughs> because how does he see his text right if he's a blind? Braille iPhone. Oh my god, that would be fucking cool too. But yeah. Um, yep. Okay, so. Different types of depression, um, and and Kristen kind of got you got into this a little bit already. So, and we're not going to go into these super super deep. Um, we're just going over the different types of, of depression there are because there are different types, and they worth uh, they're worth making mention of. So, the first one, the major one, you find the DSM five major depressive disorder uh, that includes symptoms of depressed mood, loss of interest most of the time for at least two weeks that interfere with your daily activities. Disruptive Mood Dysregulation Disorder, uh, DMDD. It's a new condition introduced in the DSM-5 to address symptoms once diagnosed and treated as childhood bipolar disorder. Uh, that can be diagnosed in children from ages 6 to 18 who exhibit persistent irritability and frequent episodes of extreme out-of-control behavior. Uh, Premenstrual premenstrual dysphoric disorder, PMDD. Uh, that's an extreme form of PMS 
that's officially classified as a depressive disorder. In PMDD, you experience severe psychological and physical symptoms in the week or two before your period. PMDD can affect any person in their childbearing years and significantly interferes with your daily functioning. Persistent depressive disorder consists of less... uh, well, persistent depressive disorder is another one, and it consists of less severe symptoms of depression that last much longer, usually for at least two years. Uh, there's depressive disorder due, due to another medical condition. There's seasonal depression, which we talked about in our episode about the holiday blues, depression that comes and goes with the seasons, uh, prena- prenatal and postpartum depression, which is, uh, Kristen, that's what you were getting into and talking about. Prenatal is depression that occurs while uh, the woman is pregnant. Postpartum is the depression that develops anywhere from four weeks on uh, from having the baby. And the DSM calls these major depressive disorders with peripartum onset. Uh, Atypical depression, bipolar disorder, which used to be known as manic depression or manic (coughs) depressive illness, uh, also experiences depressive episodes during which people feel sad, indifferent, hopeless, uh, combined with a very low activity level. But a person with bipolar disorder also experiences manic or less severe hypomanic episodes, usually elevated moods in which they feel like really happy, irritable, up with marked increase in activity levels in addition to their depressive, their depressive, uh, uh, states too. So, yeah. And like, again, another one that I feel like easily deserves its own episode is, uh, prenatal and, and postpartum depression. Cause that's another thing too. And it was hard for me because when, and my wife is comfortable with me discussing it, like when she went through it, I had the, like, I came back from Afghanistan and Iraq and I was like, okay, like, I know what stress is. And I had this asshole egotistical, like, viewpoint that other people, unless they went over there and experienced that kind of thing, that they don't know what, what that kind of stress is like, which is a terrible way to go about it. And, and because there's so many people that experience all their other kind of things. And so, like, when my wife was trying to tell me that she was experiencing some similar symptoms after the birth of our child, our first child, I was like, I was dismissive at first, which wasn't fair. You know what I mean? But then the more I started reading into it and learning about it, I really understood how significant it is and how common it is. It's super common too. And like, like you were saying, like, you know, most women are so happy that they have their baby and everything like that. But it's like, the more I looked into it was pretty fucking common, which is like, and it, it's scary and it's sad because as the husband, as the father like I wanted to try to help her as much as I could. And, I, and you be there, you're, you're, you're there for them. You love them unconditionally. But what helped her, I feel was like talking to another woman that understood what she was going through, which is why like we see the parallels when it comes to like veterans helping veterans, like that applies everywhere. If you're a victim of MST, it, I'm sure it would benefit to talk to another person that's dealt with that. You know what I mean? It just makes you feel a little bit better. So yeah, I definitely think, um, that's like a, a one that deserves its own fucking episode too. But um, anyway, um, as far as the causes are concerned, Brad, what uh, did you find there? So these are from WebMD. Uh, there's okay. abuse of all kinds. Yep. Uh, age, some medications can cause depression, uh, life conflicts, death or a loss, uh, gender, um, and it says women are two times more likely than men to become depressed. Uh, Can I stop you there really quick? Yeah. Do you mind? Yeah, no, not at all. Kristen, why do you think that is? Why do you think women are more likely? Because I came across that too. Did you? That women are more likely to have depression than men. And 
I feel like I could draw some my own conclusions why that is, but I was just curious what you thought it was, why you thought it was. So I would say some, there's probably like a hundred answers, but yeah. some stuff would be like me and you go get the same job. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, say that this company's gutting a building because it caught on fire. Why do you get to make $15 an hour? And I got to make 10. Right. But I got to support the same family you got to right. support. Right. And so then it's like, well, that's harder. And then, um, no, don't get me wrong. There's shitty moms and shitty dads, but right, sure. So, like the blunt of the the parenting sometimes falls on the mom. Mm-hmm. Even in a married situation, the dad goes to work. So does the mom. Not in all situations, but in some. But then, like, I gotta make you dinner and keep the house clean and take care of the kids. Right. So that's stress and stress and stress. And it's like, you know, you only could take so much on before you're like. I'm just spent. I'm overstimulated. Right. I'm overworked. I'm underpaid. I'm stressed the hell out. And like, why doesn't he have the same as me? So it's kind of like a why me yeah. situation. But um, in part of it, I would think like, I don't believe in equal, like men and women are equal. I don't, I don't believe that. Mm-hmm. I don't care what anyone says. I, right. In my opinion, no, we're not. We're created different for a reason. Yep. But if I'm doing the same job as you, you should pay me the same. Yep. Now, if I don't perform as well as you, I understand paying me less. Sure. But I think that um, the workload, if it's the exact same workload, it should be the exact same pay. Mm-hmm. Or even as like a mother, father, like, hey, you got Monday, I got Tuesday. Or right. you got bath, I got breakfast. Right. You know, split. Right. But I don't think the split is there. And so that's where I think... Um, a lot of stuff comes back even on a wife like a family that doesn't have kids like the dude comes home kicks his feet up he drinks his beer right and she's making dinner and cleaning and all that stuff like i saw funny jokes one time about this guy thought he had a magic coffee table because he (laughs) you you saw it and he's like no man i have that too because he'd put his cup down and the next day the cup is and the it's back in the cabinet and the dishes are clean like but no that's because your wife did that or your girlfriend cleaned it up for you right that would be my my first guess. I think that's a pretty solid guess. Yeah. I think it's like almost like a social hangover a bit because, you know, whatever, 50s, 60s or whatever, it was a different world. And it was the kind of world where, okay, the two roles in the household, you had the man who was the one that was going the, to work and then you had the woman that was at home dealing with everything that they had to deal with at home, which one, being a stay-at-home parent, fuck all of that. Like, it's- I couldn't ever... For a, you do when your kid's sick, and like three days later, you're like, Oh my god, I can't do this anymore. But, um, I think it's like a little bit from a social perspective, it's like it's almost a hangover where we feel like I don't know if men think that like women are still supposed to do that shit, even though women are like <laughs> they're also working and doing everything else that you're fucking doing, you know what I mean? And I, it's hard to argue exactly what you just said, like if we're doing the exact same shit. You know, it, the, everything should be the exact same. Like, pay should be the exact same. If there's yeah. any differences, then okay. Then everything is up to, to conversation, right? But I think the other part of that, too, is like whenever women talk about inequality, I feel like there's a lot of men that are like, and they like roll their eyes and they're like, okay. But when you look at something like the amount of women that are depressed in comparison to men, 
Yeah. Okay, that's a hard number there where you're just like, okay, there's something going on here, right? Like, what do you need to understand that there's some sort of issue going on, right? Because you can hear uh, your wife or you can hear a friend of yours as a woman complain about the issues that they're having and, and you're just kind of like, okay, whatever. But to see that it's a social thing like that, when I read that, I was like, fuck, you know what I mean? Like, we all got to kind of do a little bit better. And people talk about how great things used to be. And whenever anybody says that, I'm like, go fuck yourself. Yeah, right. That's what led to this shit that we're all dealing with now. You know what I mean? So I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, you're I good, just, man. When you brought that up, I wanted to ask her, yeah, her no. opinion on it. But what, what are the other uh, causes that you found, Brad? Uh, genetics, yep. major events. Um, other personal problems, so for example, social isolation, other mental health issues, um, serious illness, and then uh, substance abuse. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then some other risk factors which go indirectly to um, what you were just saying. Uh, I found this according to the National Institute of Mental Health. Uh, depression is one of the most common mental disorders, again, in the United States. It can happen at any age. often begins in adulthood. Um Depression can co-occur with other serious medical conditions like diabetes, cancer, heart disease, Parkinson's, dementia. Like, no shit. If you have a life-changing medical condition, yeah, you're probably going to be pretty fucking sad. You know, like, you're going to be a profound level of sad if it's something that's, like, life-changing. So, it's again, you read stuff like that and just like, yeah, no shit. I could, you know? I could speak to that. Yeah. I had some pretty life-changing medical shit happen and I was kind of sad for a while. <laughs> Question on that. I mean, yeah. do you feel like... You got over that? Do you feel like you got over it for the most part? Like, is that something you still actively deal with every day? Does it um, come in spats? Right. Yeah, it um, it depends on the... Like, if I really want to go somewhere and I don't have a ride, then that usually... Sets that sets in. But yeah. lately, I've been doing a lot with, like, the, with Project Headspace and timing and just doing a lot, getting out there. I just, it's, been, it's been better lately. But yeah. usually, it's just when I don't can't get places. Because then it's just like... You're, you're dealing with it and there's no, there's nothing else you can do. Like yeah. when you're hanging out with other people, it's not at the forefront of your mind. Yeah. But when, like you said, you want to actively do something and you can't, that's when you really sit there and you're like, fuck. Yeah. When, you the, when, I mean? when you feel stuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the, that makes sense. Yeah. There was a, um, so my sister got leukemia when she was 19. <sighs> we found out that's and terrible. she was like happy and awesome and great and like bubbly until they said you have leukemia. And then it was like, takes a special kind of person up. I feel like continue to be positive dealing with all that shit too. Yeah, but it's like, like it's, yeah, that's hard. But you got to continue to live, and yeah. that's what everyone tells you. But yeah. like, how? Like, but how? Right, that's true. And there's certain situations where it's just like a fucking poster of a cat that says hang in there just isn't gonna <laughs> cut it. Like, yeah, when somebody says some shit like that, um, when my mom. When they told her everything was terminal, like I started to see the depression and she came out of it. But like when you see a family member that you love and, and is known for being positive to like start becoming depressed, yeah. that hurts yeah. on like a profound level. Yep. You know what I'm saying? So I could. Yeah. Uh, and is that like you can even say anything? Like, what do you say to him? Like, hey, no, you got to see the brighter things. Like, like what? Yeah. Like, yeah. what do you see? I'm about to die. Like, I don't say that shit. Yeah. Because it's like people do say that. I, you know, I know. People say it all the time. Mm -hmm. Like, 
like get over it or just like just Pull don't even think about it. By yeah. the bootstraps. The worst. The worst part is when like your family does that. You know what I mean? It's yeah. so, like my fa- so my family members will be like, well, at least you're not like completely blind. Hey, that's the best one. I'm like, really? Glass is half full. I'm like, well, you know, I'm blind enough to not be able to drive and stuff. So, you know, and I wear these glasses. Don't know what you look like, but hey. Just fucking stick around with me. My cell phone's the size of an iPad. (laughs) And it's braille. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, one of the things I mentioned before, uh, one of the veterans that I've worked with and uh, served with, he, um, he killed, unintentionally shot and killed a young girl. When he was in Iraq, he was in Sadr City in 03 and uh, it was dark and they were taking fire and he returned fire in his sector of fire. If you know anything about that kind of shit, it's like, you know, when you when you get out of a vehicle, you're doing a mounted patrol or like whatever, you have your sector of fire and anything that happens in this sector is your responsibility to deal with. They were taking fire. He returned fire. They came back to do a BDA uh, the next day, a battle damage assessment where they just like see what happened and all this other kind of shit. Um, there was a tarp and the tarp was covering two bodies. One was a four or five year old girl. And then the other was, uh, the girl's uncle. Now, whether or not like who was shooting any of that other stuff, no, no idea. And we'll never know, but he had a daughter around the same age. And then after that moment, everything he did was pretty much to kill himself, like sabotaging himself. And I'm like, how do you, like, what are you, I, I would say this to other people that were trying to help him out is like well what are you gonna say to what are you gonna say to him like it's gonna get better everything happens for a reason try the religious route i don't knock religion nothing wrong with it but you you can't rationalize reason that moment where you see a child that's dead the same age as one of yours and you pulled the trigger and so all i could do for him is I always just let him know that I loved him and that I was there for him. And he would call me to talk about stuff. But it's like, there there are those situations, like your sister with leukemia, like cancer, situations where you dealt with something so traumatic. It's like, you can't just, it's it's not easy to pull somebody out of those situations. No. You know what I mean? But it, it, On the other hand, though, like I'm not, it's hard to, all, you don't ever know what to say. No. So it, I I feel like people just resort to like, hey, it's, you know, you're gonna get through it. You'll be okay. You know what I mean? Like I think that's people's like go to. That's all I really know how to say because I don't know. Like when is when have you ever dealt with somebody who who's lost their vision? Besides me, if you ever have. Besides you, no. I'm gonna go with no. Never. And nope. and and uh, the instructor's dog. The instructor's dog, yeah, and also the instructor's dog. Uh, but no, even never. with you, I was like, "Is this guy lying? Like, is this guy just pretending?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, and like, because is he, is he just tricking us? So many gotcha. people were unfamiliar, and I was one of them. Yeah. that I thought blindness was either all or nothing. Me I either too. thought you thought, were blind or you weren't blind. That's, I thought the same thing. Like your eyes were going to be white, like a dog that's <laughs> blind. Right. Like the instructor's dog must have had a white eye. Right. Like, probably I, could, i've gotten a lot me. i like i think that's why i wear glasses a lot one well the lights do bother me but yeah. a lot of, i've gotten people like well you don't look blind it's like motherfucker well, i don't look period like what does that mean <laughs> <laughs> i don't look at all <laughs> like yeah. like what is that you don't look blind what does that even yeah well and again it's just a, a 
a lack of knowledge about it. You know what I mean? Cause then yeah. when you explained it to me and like how one eye is 100% blind, right. And the other eye is like 95% blind, mm, or more or less. It's 90, 95 is the worst. And then the other one's like 90, 85, okay, okay, 90 okay. Yeah. and zero peripheral vision. Pretty much. You know, I don't right. have any. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And when you explained that kind of stuff to me, it kind of made more sense to me. Yeah. Um, where were we at when you told me, were we at the KCC? Uh, I don't, I don't know where you're going. I have no idea. <laughs> so, because I'm like the whole time thinking this guy's lying. Like, oh no, we were at this the Bears. The Bears lying. training thing. Yeah. And I'm like, how is he coming to the Bears workout if yeah. he's blind? Yeah. And then yeah. I see him pop the stick out. And I'm like, <laughs> oh my God, he's really blind? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, like, this isn't a joke? Nope. <laughs> it's that's, real. But, and that's part of the reason why I love bringing you to anything. One, I gen- genuinely enjoy your company, but he's two, lying. <laughs> I, have to, I have to say that like I get paid to say that you just bring me so you can get good like, parking spots yeah uh, but also because it's really cool to see the shit that you're able to do it's cool for me to see it yeah. it's cool for other people to see it and I think it's probably pretty cool for yourself to see it. like the archery yeah. that we went out and did and you were out there doing archery we went out to that simulation range and like going out and working out with the bears all that shit was really cool you know what I mean and I thought it was pretty cool that you hopefully because one of the things that you told me before was like you felt like there was a lot of stuff that you missed out on. Yeah. And hopefully you understand that like you fucking don't have to miss out on it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, I think I got to a point with like recovering where I'm I'm not going to let this dictate my life. This is I'm not yeah. I'm not going to be blind Brad. Right. I'm going to be Brad. Who is just, that what got you through the depression? Yeah. For a lot of it did. And again, a lot with like doing stuff like this podcast and doing stuff like going to the bears thing and doing all that stuff the archery thing it it showed me that i still could do things that i was still able like dude i'm fully capable like i'm good i'm fully functioning capable ready to go just my eyes are a little bit broken right so and i have to prove that to people well uh, i'm gonna paraphrase this but like there was a story and i told it to you once before about two vietnam veterans yeah and like uh, it was a st- one of them was one of like the one of the most prominent generals sons or grandsons uh, and he ended up killing himself and then they both of the two veterans that were injured I think they both like lost their legs or something in Vietnam they were at the same hospital they got to know each other and then I think and then when they got out the veteran who did not kill himself um, got a job like he bought a farm and he learned how to do all the things he wanted to fucking do mm-hmm. uh, around what he was dealing with not having legs and when he he was brought on a podcast I think it was Jocko Willing's podcast and he Jocko asked him like you know what was the difference between you and this other guy this other veteran and he said that the other veteran never accepted like what was going on with him mm-hmm. and I have to imagine while I'm not in that position obviously that like acceptance is really big. I mean, I know that we talked about before with grief, grief happens whenever, not just when somebody dies, but it happens when you lose a job, it happens when in a divorce and it happens when you lose something of yourself, you can go through grief and acceptance is a really big part of that too. And like, I didn't, I thought that was bullshit until my mom died. And then I finally, I spread her ashes and I got the acceptance when I was doing that. And then I was like, Oh, it doesn't mean everything just fucking goes away and everything's great now, but it, it, you have like a little bit of peace with what's actively happening. And that peace 
helps you deal with everything else because it's not like a despair yeah. that you're dealing with. It's just a peace. And when you find it, dude, it's it's like pretty, a, it's like pretty a great. Load taken off your it, shoulders, yeah, kind of it, thing. It's pretty great. It's good. It's uh the same with like like injuries, right? Like pain. You have to accept that. Like I have to live with this forever now. Like yep. it, it's not going away. Right. Like I can be sad about it and then turn into depression over it. Or I can just accept that I'm going to be in pain forever. And I swear the pain hurts a little less. Yes. Oh, my God. Definitely. I mean, the placebo effect's very real. And that has to do with how strong your mind is. And so very good friend of mine uh, is a physical therapist. And when he talks about being a physical therapist, he'll talk about the his patients that do a lot better and his patients that do a lot better are the ones that are like more fucking positive that like believe that they're going to get better. And the ones that don't do better, are the ones that are severely depressed and just don't give a shit and don't even want to try. Like, yeah, you know, your mind has like a super, super big influence on how everything else goes, obviously. But yeah, I make these TikToks and uh, I just made this one. It's like, it's like a whole game changer when you change your mindset from like, I can do this to I can, I can try to get that done. No, yeah. no, like I can do this. Like I'm gonna do this. It's like it's a whole. It's not even like the same words, but people use it. Like they'll say, like oh, I could try to make it happen. No, no, that, that it means you're not. Like you're, you're not even. You're gonna <coughs> do the bare minimum, and then if there's any hiccups, you're gonna like, oh, okay, I can't make it. Right. But it, I can do this. Is like, like I can get through this depression. I can get over this blindness. I can get through my back pain i can get through whatever i need to get through yeah and we have to change our mindsets to i can do this i also think environments are really a big part of that too. i do too um so i used to do you know amateur strongman shit and the cool thing about competing in that environment is what what do you say weak manager weight manager weak man Just trying to I stay quietly to not hurt your feelings. I fucking feel weak. I, didn't, I do feel weak. <laughs> I didn't get my hearing aids yet, so I don't know what you said. Uh, it was just kind of... All I heard was Darth Vader. I was smiling there. and nodding. Listen, I lost my voice. <laughs> I went to the White Sox game. <laughs> what? Lost. How did That's you lose? You lo- what the heck? You well, lost I could have voice- told you they were going to lose. Yeah. No, 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 no. Cubs fan, calm down. What were you cheering for? I'm a White Sox fan. I knew they were going to lose. <laughs> They've won like eight games this year. Hey, listen, calm down. Um. So can we make hearing jokes on bread yet not probably not i don't yet. know i want to wait till you get the hearing aid. i'm surprised that you got the hearing aid before me because i was it's because he's blind he gets special privileges Fuck. that's <laughs> bullshit it's not even true it's like, I, i'm supposed to get hearing aids but i haven't actually that is true people when i'm in a public bathroom people tend to guide me by my shoulders to urinals so that's a pretty cool treatment i when get you told me about oh, that my yeah. god I could have went without knowing that. I didn't. I didn't believe that that was real. And you told me about oh, so the real. guys that would try to help you, like in the bathroom. Have you ever peed on someone on purpose? That's no. something you could probably get away with. You could no, totally get away with it. You could I don't totally get away with. No. It. What if it was a total <laughs> d bag? I don't know. No. no. If he was a d bag, like the dude who put his hand under your pocket and told you that you were faking it. That dude. That dude was a like he was huge. Like I was blind and I could see that he. Yeah. Was, so you just <laughs> big on him. Oh, sorry. I thought it was the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By thousands of people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm blind. I don't know where I'm going. No, I'm there's just, it's, I've talked about it before, just the, all the awkward interactions that I have with. Yeah, but I think that all, I would also hope that now you're leaning into it more. Because I remember when you first would make like a joke about it every once in a while, you were like really 
I don't know, you're very apprehensive about making a joke about it. Mm-hmm. And now, and I've been telling you from the very beginning, like you need to let those fucking things fly. Like yeah. just wait, because it, it, it's something that you get to make a joke about <laughs> that nobody else gets to make a joke about. And it's hilarious when you make a joke about it. I think it's it's funny when you turn your own trauma into comedy. Yeah. Yes. Um, I don't think it's funny when people joke about shit that's wrong with you that you're not ready to joke about. Yeah. But like when Jeff, uh, uh, when Brad threw the first blind joke in the group chat, I'm like, fair game. Yeah. <laughs> I'm oh, in. yeah. 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 In. yeah. But when you're, and when you're talking about the veteran community, making little jokey jokes about trauma, that's uh, our fucking wheelhouse. You yeah. know what I mean? That's what we fucking do. That's how you get through everything. everything. Yeah. Like that's, you're put into situations that you just shouldn't, human beings just shouldn't be fucking put into sometimes. And in my opinion, if you want to get through it, like you got to joke about that shit. Yeah. People are like, why do you why are you so funny like why do you joke about the most like most traumatic stuff i'm like to get through it my coping mechanism how else am i gonna get through this that's my coping mechanism. my grandma was like 96 when she died and i get it that's sad it's sad people die right yeah dude she was 96 she's fine yeah my cousin's like why would you say it like that well because she was ready to go dude that's a hell of a run yeah hell yeah let me get to 85 i'm good and when somebody's older and they pass if they in such a way where it's painless and they're surrounded by their loved ones. Yeah. Guess what? That's as good as it's going to No, man, get. her head got cut off by a train. Like, something fell off the top of the train. It cut her head off when she was walking. It wasn't, like, painless, but... As long as it no, was I'm quick. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. As long, I was going to say, as long <laughs> as it's quick. Hey, as long as it's quick. You know what I mean? That, oh, man, I you wish you could see Brad's face when I said, no, she passed away. Like, I, got I wish I could look in the mirror and see my face, too. But, you know. Family probably got a little settlement out of it. You know what I mean? I get to ride Amtrak for free. You know what I mean? For the rest of my fucking life. I would be, um, talk about well, depression and trauma. Jesus. <laughs> I So I was running a mission once and uh, we got our intel brief and our intel brief was, and like if you don't know, and I've said this before, intel briefs, depending on where you're at and stuff, sometimes can just, like every day the intel briefs, like 200 Muqtada militia are coming to your fucking fob to kill Eric Peterson. Like it was like every day it was like, all right, dude, we get it. Like we're not, they, they want to kill us. Like I understand. But this one particular day, it was... The intel brief was that there was a 60,000-pound V-bed, vehicle-borne IED, that was going to be operating around this traffic circle, and that's exactly where the fuck we were going that day. You know what I mean? So, okay, you take any normal brain, and you say, okay, you're going on a mission. There might be a 60,000-pound V-bed there. Maybe. We're not sure. I feel like anybody is going to be like, dude, what the fuck? Like, and <laughs> us, it was me and my driver was this Force Recon Marine. And w- immediately we just started j- like going hard into the jokes, like making jokes about it, about how American Red Cross isn't going to need to call my wife because they're going to fucking hear the explosion from here. Uh, what, like, who's driving it? Like, Wiley Coyote? Is it a fucking Acme truck or some shit? Uh, I said that I was going to get Ashley set up on Farmers Only because I wanted her to meet like a nice country guy. <laughs> It's going to open doors for her and shit. Like, we immediately started launching into the jokes because we were going to do the mission. We weren't not going to do the mission. That was our fucking job. But how else do you deal with hearing shit like that? Brad's not... Brad doesn't hear. Sorry. How does... (laughs) It's like, I mean, I'm going to have to yell. I can't write shit down. I can't write... Wow! Where's Connor? We <laughs> Connor I just need a, we need to all learn sign language and you can just sign in my hand. You can't. I'm going to have to sign in. I'm going to have to take your hand like, like Helen Keller style. Holy fuck. All right. Hey. 
all of these these podcasts are going to be a lot longer. Yeah. Because of how we're going to have to communicate. <laughs> so Brad can hear because he can't hear and he can't see. What's the thing where you have to push the button? Um, it's what? back in the day. I can't remember. Do you mean, what do you mean? Like, you mean the thing Stephen Hawking had? No, you gotta like. Hello. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Of course he does. He's deaf. He needs Hooks to know. Oh my button. God. Guys, we'll get not, you one of those. It's things. not that. It's just, okay. Imagine it's like, I can't even be like, hey, it's like putting on a pair of glasses because I don't really know what that's like. But right. it's. Oh, <laughs> it's all right, man. It'll give it, us more it, jokes. Oh, give us more jokey jokes. More material. Speaking of that, uh, some other things <laughs> that could also be listed as risk factors for depression. Um, sometimes medications can be risk factors. Medications can cause depression. Medications can obviously help with depression. But like, if you listen to any of those commercials on TV at the very end where they're like, they cause blah, 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 and they talk super fucking fast and death and they say a lot of like weird <laughs> things that are like might cause depression and death and suicide. And you're like, bro, this is for like acid reflux. What the fuck? Like, I'm no, thank you. Um, could also contribute to depression. Other risk factors, obviously personal family history, depression, major negative life changes, trauma, stress. So I feel like, again, if you've just been in boot camp, I feel like boot camp just gets you ready for PTSD. Because oh, yeah. it's just like, <laughs> talking about trauma and stress and, and feeling worthless. Like I had a, I had several gentlemen in round brown hats tell me I was worthless every single day for like nine weeks. Thirteen for me. Yeah, yeah. but wasn't the army like? Didn't they like give you hugs and stuff? And like, oh my god, you were allowed, that was like, the Air Force pride. Calm down. Oh, stress cards. Uh, oh, you had you had a stress I, card. That's cute. I've never had them. I want to know if they're real. <laughs> I've always heard that they're real. Like, but here's, I mean. And a lot of veterans make jokes, and I love making jokes about the whole stress card thing. But now, like, as I'm looking at all the issues that veterans have and shit. I'm like, why didn't I get a stress card? Yeah, right. Like, it would have saved me from, like, the last 18 years of fucked upness. Right. But the only apprehension I have is with it is if it affects your effectiveness in war. Right. Then, right. then I'm sorry. Okay. I then- feel like I did what I needed to do because I was taught what I needed to know. That's what I'm saying. So it's like to, to prepare a human being, especially at the formative ages of their life when they're like late teens, early 20s. For war, you have to subject them to trauma. That's what they do at boot camp. They're like, they're firing weapons over your head. They're yelling. They're fucking with you. They're not letting you sleep. They're, They're critiquing the way you eat. They're putting you in these uncomfortable positions all day, every day, so it makes you more effective in war. And it does. Especially like, because boot camp 04... Well, guess what? We're going to war. Yeah. Right. Seven days into fleet. Where are you going? Iraq. How old are you? 19. Yeah. Ever been away from home? No. Yeah. And so it's like, I don't know the right answer. It's, you know what I mean? But like, I stopped slamming the stress card shit as much when I started thinking about that. Yeah. And but again, I just don't know how that's going to affect their effectiveness in war because that's um, obviously that's the priority number one. I feel like if we go back to war, they're going to just take them away again because they're going to be like, hey, we need to really fuck these guys up because <laughs> yes. they're about to go see some really fucked up stuff. I yeah. mean, yeah, because how else are you going to prepare them for that kind of stuff? I you, don't know. You have to be prepared for, for chaos and it's so hard to be prepared 
for chaos. So what's the closest thing to that? You do stress shoots and stuff. You have somebody over you yelling, screaming, loud noises are going on. They make you run and do a bunch of push-ups, disassemble and put your weapon back together and then fire accurately because they're trying to make you stressed out because that shit's going to happen. It's not a super well uh, choreographed firefight like in the movies sometimes. You know what I mean? You're just people are fumble fucking around like all the 240 rounds fell out of somebody's goddamn 240 and like shit's going wrong and you kind of like just figure, figure it, it out. out and like finish Without being so stressed people out. don't die and that's why it's like being a paramedic for me after the infantry was kind of an easy easier transition because i don't mind the chaos yeah like i don't mind those situations i can kind of find like a little bit of peace in them actually in a weird way and find almost like a rhythm in the chaos and the only way that i can um only thing i can compare it to uh have you guys uh watch boondock saints i'm gonna go with now the, m- the movie yeah 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 so uh, there was a scene in it where Willem Dafoe plays the investigator and like he's trying to investigate this shooting and figure out how it happened. And he's going through all the chaos of what happened and he's like dancing like in a very relaxed way as he's walking through the area where all everything happened at like he found he like he found like a rhythm in the chaos and that's like Joker. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so I was yeah. OK. So here's a question. Mm hmm. Do you ever think that you overload yourself to max capacity so you're stressed the fuck out so that you can just perform normally? I think... Oh, I combat depression by overloading myself mm-hmm. to the point where like there's absolutely no downtime to think. So it's a way for you to push off dealing with shit too at the same time, you Not mean? because I deal with it, but like I don't need to like... Uh, I don't need to sit back and like think about it. Right. Like, I know what it's. I know it's there. I know right. what I'm doing. But it's like, if I'm just sitting at home, then I can just sit there and think about all the bullshit. But if I'm right. coaching soccer and baseball and being a personal trainer and coaching classes and going to work and taking care of kids and this and that and grocery shopping and this and oh, let me just add on some other stuff too. Right. Then I don't have to think about all the fucked up shit I went through or what I'm dealing with. Because I mean, it, I'm going to deal with it regardless. Right. Rather than deal with it and not think about it. Yeah, I definitely do that. Also, I knew that answer was yes. I was just yes. making sure you knew it was yes. But, but also, <laughs> the thing about that, the scary thing about it is, is like in the moment you feel like you're fine. And I've said this before, like paying attention to when your body physically starts reacting. That's when I realized that I needed to fucking slow down. Like when I had rashes, when Mm -hmm. my heart started like fibrillating and all this other kind of stuff. And the VA was like, you need to wear a heart monitor for a week so we can see what the fuck is wrong with you. Why is your blood pressure 58? But my blood pressure was always pretty solid. Actually, so low. They're like, dude, you're going to (laughs) die. No, you shouldn't be here right now. You shouldn't be alive right now. I'm like. Take these pills. Here you go. My bu- my blood pressure, my pulse have always been like pretty. My blood pressure was a little borderline, uh, but my pulse has always been like pretty low. But like physically when it started manifesting like that, that was my first like real awakening. And like my eye, early this year, my eyes were twitching, both eyes involuntarily every day. And they would just twitch. And it was so scary. And I would have muscle twitches all over my body. And so like... I've been, I have 
been learning because all those things are pretty much subsided at this point on how to like deal with my own stuff better before it turns into that. But that's the, yes, I mean, I do that stuff too, but it's just really scary because your body's going to let you fucking know. And and, and you're going to have those people that have their, you know, have a heart attack and pass away when they're in their forties. And you're like, what the fuck? Because they just kept it all in and they kept trucking for so long and they didn't realize that inside internally shit was just going off the rails. You know what I mean? It's a good thing you listened. Yeah, my, my shit started as an eye twitch. What are you talking about? Blindness? Yep. Started. So I could have been blind. Could have. That's how that works. No, no dude, I don't know. <laughs> I thought he was so serious. I know like, you did. My fucking eyes twitch sometimes too. Yeah. Hey, that's it. We're all going to be blind and deaf, dude. I got my sister. Podcast my, is going to be deck. awesome. My, <laughs> we're still I, bird pit exposure. I don't know. What bird pit exposure or well, part of that three M lawsuit. That's what you need to be doing about this fucking deafness. Did you ever Listen. wear one of those three M yeah. earplugs? I yeah, already bro. did that lawsuit. You know, I keep getting the same e- email. Once every six months. What'd like, you get? We're still uh, working on the case. Yeah. It's still in court. You're going to get like $14. I don't care. I'm going to get that $14 and I'm going to get myself an ice cream with it, Brad. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say like, yeah, it's going to be like, I don't know well, what it's going to be. Enjoy your ice cream. Hopefully the joke's on us and I'll it's like a huge settlement. Well, I, I heard, see. heard through my lawyer, Grapevine, that every person for 10% is going to be like 10 grand, but you know, let's not forget that they get their forty percent, so that's six grand per ten percent. That would still be huge. Yeah, that'd that be cool. would still be really cool. Yeah. I never filled any of that stuff out. I probably should have. But. Yeah, I'm finally getting my Facebook um, compensation. We know. Wait, what? <laughs> I didn't hear what you said. See, now I'm just like solidifying didn't my. Hear what you said? Listen, that's because my voice right now is it's a little messed up. Well, that and I didn't get my hearing aids yet. Right, that's <laughs> so. I said you shouldn't get your Facebook compensation yet. Oh, it was like two hundred thirty-one dollars for. I never feel any of that. If you did that thing where I didn't do it either because I don't care, but um, where you like did your face, yeah, um, yes, it was like face like you did that app that like turned you into a cartoon or I don't remember what it was, but like some facial recognition thing. You got like money. Snapchat's doing one right now. Fill it out before it's too late, guys. Really, Snapchat is. But TikTok and but you can never get a TikTok account again, so don't do TikTok because follow me. What's your handle on TikTok? I don't even know. KRubio37. KRubio37. Double check. KRubio86. You young kids and your crazy technology. TikTok's hilarious, Brad. I don't even know how to Facebook. Shots fired. Shots fired. Okay, let me see here. Okay. It's KRubio37. KRubio37. We'll mention that again. Um... Where was I? Ah, okay. What depression can cause? Uh, so short-term depression is likely to cause like a loss of appetite, weight loss, other symptoms. If you develop insomnia or hypersomnia, which means you're sleeping way too much, you'll be fatigued and lethargic. Long-term, you can experience malnutrition from not eating enough or from becoming obese and eating too much. Uh, you can also experience a drop in short-term memory finding it easier to forget things. Long-term depression can lead to death, lead to suicide. Uh, Everyday Health says that over 66% of suicide uh, suicides have depression as a factor. I'm like, yeah, like not a lot of people are like, man, everything's gonna, everything's going super great. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go, just kill go myself. eat the bullet. Yep. Right. Yep. So yeah, I mean that kind of made sense. And all that was according to an article on uh, PsychGuides.com. Uh, Brad, as far as yeah. prevention, what do you got? Yeah, uh, I believe this was from the 
either WebMD or the Mayo Clinic. I forgot to write down the website, but yep. I, I got seven ways to prevent uh, depression. Avoid stress. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Don't live? Okay, yeah. cool, got Off it. to a good okay. start. I wrote that yep. down. We're so just great. sit on your couch. <laughs> I feel like that's stress too, but whatever. All right. Yeah. Um, exercise. Diet. Sleep. Avoid alcohol and drug use. Uh, try out therapy. And finally, avoid common triggers. So for me, one of my triggers is hospitals. I don't go very often, which I really? think is pretty stupid. Yeah, dude, I am very scared of. Is that because, be, and to anybody that's unfamiliar, yeah. your blindness is a result of, of a procedure in the hospital that didn't go the way it should have gone. Correct. Right? Yeah. Okay. So it's pretty understanding that through such a fucking traumatic event, yeah. probably don't want to go back there. Wait, nope. so it's Brad Rich? Is that uh, you got to do a what do you call it? Is that can we do a whole nother segment on? No. Oh, okay. No. Okay. No. No, he's not rich, or no, he's not. There's no uh, no no what? settlement. No. I'll yeah. sign up and be your lawyer right now. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> so well, hey, I got hit on something on what did yeah. you say the preventions? Um. So you said working out. I exercise was number two. Listen, I don't know a better option. Like it is 100% the best place to be is yes. inside of a gym. If you have any kind of depression, PTSD, any kind of trauma, like get in the gym, get in the gym five to seven days a week. Yeah. Like walk one day, like whatever you got to do, but get in the gym. Yes. Yeah. Or, or walk or just go for a walk. Just you don't even have walk, to go to a gym. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I've said this before, but like going to the gym was extremely helpful for me mm -hmm. mentally like because that was my way to meditate yep. you know i would listen to music i'd pick up weights and the thing is unless you're like pretty dedicated to your plan and you have like a competition or something coming up even if you don't want to go to the gym and you make yourself go sometimes those are one the best workouts that you'll ever have and then two pretty much no matter what you feel pretty good about yourself when you leave, leave the, gym the gym because you didn't want to go and you're like, right. I want to fucking go. I made myself go. You, It's an instant dose of like endorphins or whatever else that you're going to feel pretty good about yourself. Yeah. You know I mean, I couldn't agree like, more. It's accomplishment. Like that yep. one, that you even made it to the gym. Yes. And two, that you completed a workout if you were at the gym. Yep. Yeah. And if you're a local personal trainer, I could train you. There you go. Can, can you pick me up before you go to work? I'm so. not doing that. And where do you train at again? Uh, I'm a personal trainer at the YMCA. I do host classes too. Um, I do Tabata, 40 seconds on, 20 seconds off. Um, I do those on Tuesdays at 10 o'clock and Fridays at 7.30 in the morning. And this is at the Kankakee area YMCA? Yes. And if, they, if anybody wanted to get more information on this too, could they reach out to you? Or yes. would they reach out to the Y? Or um, if you go on the Facebook page for the Y, it's on there. And yes, Brad, I would pick you up. Thanks. But I oh. train back to back, like starting at 7 a.m. I've trained till about noon. So you're just stuck at the gym for like do it. just seven hours. I was saying, is, there hours a, is there a virtual option? No. For the gym? <laughs> like, well, one, what are you going to, like, first of all, how are you going to hear the sounds without your hearing aids yet? And, <laughs> and, like, what are you watching me on? I think your, it'd be Your awesome. Braille iPad? Like, <laughs> And it'd be great too because if you don't have your workouts. camera on, like don't have your camera on, just be there virtually. And you're like, yeah, I'm working out too. You just like, hear my voice, just like watching TV. <laughs> hey guys, like not fucking doing anything. Um, These are intense classes. <laughs> they the other, are intense classes. I, I believe it. 
the other thing that I wanted to figure out at some point too, and actually talk to you about was we've been talking about getting a group of veterans together to work out. And we talked to the why about this. I talked to the why, I think I mentioned it to you like, like a year ago and everything was good. And they were like, yeah, we would love to work something out. And I didn't necessarily have anybody that I thought could like spearhead it. But the other day I was talking about it to my wife, Ashley, she was like, why don't you just talk to Kristen about it? And I was like, shit, that's a really good idea because just getting veterans together to go work out and stuff, I think is great too. You know what I mean? Like it's another form of therapy. You don't always have to sit there and talk about things. That's great. But I mean, I find more therapeutic benefit to working out. I do too. And I'm going to tell you, I hate group effort stuff Mm -hmm. because well, one, I have social anxiety, um, ever since the military sexual trauma, like just the, like, I don't like the publicity of it. I don't like the, like people to ask me the questions. I don't like to be in those group settings where like, well, what happened to you? Like nothing. Right, 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 right. So, but when we went to that bears workout, like, because you're all in your groups and you're just working out. Yeah. So I was like, man, this is badass. Yeah. So man, if we could just get that, like, you remember when we were pulleys? Who was a pulley? Were you a pulley? Do they do that in other branches? Brad, is it just us? I think you poor mafia. I think it's just us. I'm just a, the Marine Corps? We just do pulleys? No, because usually it's like okay, right before you before you go to boot camp, it's like you're in the- You work the, out on Wednesdays? Yeah. Like, you're in the debt program. So you go oh, work out with okay. all the other pulleys? No, yeah. because right when you go into the army office, you, you, you already become a soldier. Like oh, They already yeah. start calling you soldier, I'm pretty sure. Like right when you walk in, they fucking probably do. <laughs> I walk, I walk in the recruiting station. The army guy's like, "Howdy, soldier!" Like, no, 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 no. I'm a marine man. Calm down. Yeah, they're really. fishing hard, man. They're like, "No, bro, you're already in the army. You don't even know. Like, I already signed you up. You're good, man. That's okay, fine." So, like, they have a pulley branch. The pulley branch is like yeah. before you're actually in the military. Yeah, you go dep in, and so you yeah. get attached to like your RSS or whatever. So, okay, cankaburbly. That's what it used to be. I don't know what it was when y'all went in. Cankaburbly. But uh, <laughs> every Wednesday you had to be at PT at 05. Yeah. And it like basically gets you ready. Right. So yeah. obviously don't do 05 because we're not doing that. But like what if we just did like how Chicago got to um, MVP. MVP has, yep. what is it, like 7 o'clock every Wednesday. Yep. Yes. Merging Vets with Players, another mm-hmm. awesome organization. Yeah, it's yes. Super cool. Super awesome. Yep. Yeah, no, it would be great to do something like that. I think personally, while I, I wouldn't want to do it at 5 just because – Sports and all that stuff, It's hard. I love working out first thing in the morning. I don't want to work out later in the day because I'm fucking tired. But early first thing in the morning, I love working out because then when you have a pretty good workout, you leave the gym knowing that you've accomplished more than most other people will all day, week, month, year, whatever. You know what I mean? Get up to my class at 7.30. Work doesn't even start till 9, right? For normal people, Friday. Fridays? Friday, 7.30. What kind of class is it? It is a Tabata class. What's Tabata? It is like 40 seconds on, 20 seconds off, high-intensity interval training. Yep. So you do eight exercises, but you do it in, so 40 seconds of exercise, or I mean 20 seconds of exercise, uh, 10 seconds of break. Okay. And so we do 20-10 at the Y. Yeah. I was saying it wrong because I'm used to Marine Corps 40-20. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 20 on, 10 off, four minutes, that's one round. Then you get a one-minute break. You do that eight times. Hit stuff is so... It's such a different type of workout if you're used to what I would call conventional lifting like me, like where you're doing reps of like 12, 10, 8, 6, and like, you know, four sets or whatever you're doing. Me, Eric, pick stuff up, put back down. Hulk smash. Hey, man. Deadlift in a car feels pretty cool until you fucking destroy your back. Yeah, and and doing eight rounds of Tabata feels like 
I can't believe I just did that. See, and there's modifications because there's people with injuries. Yeah. No, I, I agree. The, the thing that I found with HIT when I used to do some like HIT workouts or whatever, when you have to do as many reps as you can in a certain amount of time, it's such a mind fuck because you're, if you're at, if you're competitive at all, you're going to push yourself to do an insane amount. And then if you even get to the point where you can consistently do this, like a shit ton in the first rep or set or time limit or whatever, then this, it starts over again and you try to do the same exercise and you're dead. Yes. I compete with myself. Like if it's pushups as exercise, I'm trying to get 20 every time. Right. Yeah. Except for that only happens like, the Until first one, yeah, like second one's like, you get like, you're like, you're, and you're like, dang it. And then, then you get down there and then just getting in the push-up position, you're like, oh my God, I'm already in pain right fucking now. Like this sucks. You is, know? There, is there pickleball courts at the Y? There is. Oh, I bet you I can I, be a mean pickleball player. I've never played pickleball. I started playing racquetball. I do like racquetball. I've never played pickleball. So when Brad talks about his sporting activities, I'm... Is he joking? Is he? Is this a, can you really play pick, pickleball? I don't know. We'll find out. I don't know. Do you like, think you, you could? The sounds or something off the wall. All right. Or? So here, here's like when I play like bag. Well, bags is just muscle memory. But there's this game. I forgot what they called it. it but it was a, a PVC pipe in the ground, and there was a beer bottle on top of the PVC pipe, and you throw a frisbee. And Beersby. Is that what it is? Beersby. Yeah. Yes. So we were playing that, and my son was just standing by the the post, and he's like, "Hey, Dad, I'm over here." And I would just throw the, so I guess maybe, and I do play some pretty good bags. I told you, bro, you're turning into Daredevil. It's possible. You think so? Yeah. I mean, may, I would think that your other senses, That's not and this is coming from somebody that, you know, isn't a fucking professional, but it's just like, dude, you have to use your other senses so much more. It you know, would like, make sense. You feel the vibrations and stuff of you, the pickleball wall. You like, would think that, but I'm also getting hearing aids, so. It's also well, true. probably because you wore those <laughs> stupid earplugs that the Marine Corps gave us. Oh, man. Oh five Iraq. Which one? The 3M, 3M ones, ones? That were yeah. double? Yeah, like they're yellow green and brown. One, or Are green you and blind? yellow. No, they're brown and yellow. Why is he got? Why is he got to be colorblind? Because oh, he said green and they're brown. Oh, they're well, to me, they look red. So, well, and they came in a little plastic <laughs> container. <laughs> yeah, um, they came in a little black, like a little uh, olive hard plastic container, and the top slid open. Yeah, yeah. Black jacket. I had those, but like I lost mine super fast, and then if you lost yours. Then you had the foam ones, is how we did it. Because like we only had so many of them, so if you lost them, you're kind of. Oh, the army didn't care about you. They just Mm -hmm. gave us new 3M earplugs. What? (laughs) They're defected. Here you go, Marines. I still have some. When I first got in, I was a 60 cal gunner uh, for the M60, which was used in fucking Vietnam. And I told my uncle, like, "Hey, I'm a 60 cal gunner." He's like, "You're still using 60 cal? Like that's what we use." And then we got the 240 Bravo. And then, like the next day, they're like, "Hey, you guys, here's your orders to Afghanistan." I was like, "Fuck!" They saw about you, that. and they said, "That guy'll be able to carry this on a hike." Fine, like, uh, it's, <laughs> like it was he carries worst. big heavy stuff. God, it was a fucking. Worst. <laughs> like big heavy stuff. <sighs> but, Can't carry far. I mean, uh, well, the M60 and the and the 240 were like the same as far as like weight, but it was just like. I had we had a lot of old shit. We had Vietnam web gear. We had Vietnam rucks. Did How you guys have the Alice you? packs? <laughs> yes, I had an Alice pack. What's that? You had an Alice pack? Uh-huh. I was at 2005 is when I got in. Yeah, I'm yeah. four. And we had the black boots that we had to shine and I all the other bullshit. No, no? no, we got the brown boots at boot camp. I had the black boots that I had to shine. I still got my BDUs, all of my fucking BDUs. I had I jungle had... boots. Did I you have... have jungle boots? No, I was a cook. I had black boots that had to shine. 
Oh, you did? Dude, I wore paper hats. Oh, yeah, that's true. I had to wear a Hey, you know what? The biggest thing that they got you in the military, they don't even tell you. Do you know that like we went to boot camp, they paid us, right, while we were at boot camp? Yeah. But do you know that we had to pay for all of our stuff? Yeah, like, like the shower gear and stuff? Uh, everything. Yeah. Everything. <laughs> yeah. Military smart like that. No, the way they really fucked us was with pogs. Like, because they gave oh, you these my. little yes. pieces of cardboard, and they're like, it's okay. It's a coin. You can spend your real money here. We'll give you these pieces, these circles of paper. <laughs> we have to give you the paper because the real coins could be a threat. And then you get out. And they're like, those are just trash. You got like, I got like $87 in pogs. I'm trying to pay for something at Walmart. They're looking at me like I'm a fucking moron. <laughs> like, come on, this is legal tender, all right? It's legal tender on a military base. You're telling me I can't buy the sandwich for my fucking pogs? Like, get out of here, weirdo. Yeah. So yeah, no, I agree that it fuck with you when it comes to that too. But it's just another way that the military just prepares you for PTSD. They just they they're really doing their job, really making sure that we're gonna be used to it. Yeah. We just slide right into it. Yeah, you guys are talking about all this cool gear. My my weapons of choice were spatulas. Hey man, dude, I made a mean we're, omelet. Were you ever on a ship? No, thank oh, God. Oh man, because I went through the equator one time. I am a shellback, but we didn't even get to use utensils to eat. Like, we had to, like, crawl on our hands. What do you mean? Y'all never went on a ship? No, I was infantry. My feet were on the uh, ground. Infantry ground, ground, ground. The ship. No, nope. In the I Marine Corps, a... they do. Well, yeah, because the Marine Corps came from the Navy, Army, and Air Force, so we would always fly. <laughs> Fucking way better. Okay, so we uh, we went, so my second deployment at USS Kearsarge, going through all the cool stuff. Yeah. We went through the equator. So they do this ceremony and you get to become a shellback. And so you have to go through the kitchen and you get your breakfast, but you don't get to use your hands. You have to walk like a duck everywhere. Well, one, you have to wear your PT gear inside out. I'm sure this ain't a thing anymore because it's like 900% hazing, but whatever. Um, So you wear your PT gear inside out and you come out of your birthing. Like when somebody comes to get you, that's already a shellback. And then you go to the chow hall and you get your food with your mouth, like your plate, and then you have to like lay on your stomach and you have to like, scoot. Yeah. And <laughs> you hands behind your back, eat your food. Yep. I mean, I get it. That's why I'm like, I never went through that. I totally understand it. I definitely had like the hazing and the hazing rituals that like I went through. But all I keep thinking of while you're saying this is this is why uh, we all have just such fucked up understand like common sense and everything <laughs> because it's like if you were to say that to anybody else especially anyone that's like never been in the military or anything like that, they'd be like, like what the fuck <laughs> like <laughs> they squirted you with must they made you you're, walk up the nonskid on your knees you're what? fighting for america's freedom what are they having you do it's like no nah, man we've done some dumb dumb shit the that's dumbest. why when people tell me something really stupid yeah i'll just believe them because i'm like you don't understand <laughs> the dumb shit that's been said to me like i watched a dude with an e-tool which if you don't know is a fucking collapsible shovel and he was digging ashes out of a fire pit and throwing them over a chain link fence <laughs> into the wind <laughs> and it was blowing back in and he was one of my guys and i walked out to him like his last name was williams i was like williams what are you doing and he goes the first sergeant told me to do this and i was like all right i just kept walking i didn't even question it i didn't even question it because like okay he got told to do it he's throwing ashes into the wind over a chain link fence and you see shit like that and then yeah. you come home and 
when people tell you stuff, man, I don't know. Like, maybe it happened. I've seen and heard really dumb shit in my life. Did so I, my common sense is fucked up. Did I tell you the Pillsbury Doughboy story? Maybe. Tell it again. So I was at boot camp and I was standing night watch or guard duty or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, the drum instructors from the other platoons like to come on, on deck and like fuck with your, your platoon or whatever. Oh, yeah. And so when they come on deck, you like report your post, you know, and... And then drill instructor stops me and he goes, oh, you're a pudgy little fucker, aren't you? Oh, shit. And I go, I go, no, sir. He goes, yes, sir. I go, no, sir. And he pokes my stomach like really hard, you know, and he pokes my stomach. And he goes, well, fucking do it, bitch. And I go, aye, sir. He does it again. I go, hoo-hoo. Oh, my God, <laughs> dude. In the middle of the night, you can hear all of the rest of the recruits like wake up and they're like laughing, you know, because, and he does it again. And dude, this dude like. Really jammed his finger in my stomach. Yeah. Every time he did, I mean, woohoo! Again, it's like <laughs> shit that people don't understand that that shit happens in the middle. The drill sergeant's goals is to a drill sergeant's goal, in addition to everything else the military tells him to do, is to like. I feel like it's to try to make other guys laugh yep and then just to get him in trouble just to get him in trouble and skull fuck him into oblivion because yep. they fucking laughed because <laughs> i heard drill sergeant say the laugh. craziest shit like i heard drill sergeant i was standing in pt formation in the morning and one drill sergeant was arguing with the other drill sergeant and he said can i fuck this chicken and i was like yo what <laughs> like i need to stop for a second like you say it like it's such a normal there's like can i fuck this chicken and then i looked it up i'm like oh i guess that is slang and i'm like dude you're saying that stuff to try to get us to fucking laugh because they're just looking for ways to mess with you and i appreciate that and you appreciate it so much more obviously when you not when you get out but like when you see other people going to boot camp and you get to watch those videos and you're like yes (laughs) like the i don't know we had a we called it a shark attack. I don't know if you guys what you guys called it the second you got off the bus. When um, for me, I went to Fort Benning, Georgia. So that's where the infantry goes, and you go to thirtieth AG, and like you do your admin processing stuff first. And once you do that, wait, they let you get off the bus <laughs> because like they come on our bus. Yeah. When you do this, is what happened to me when I got there. A drill sergeant comes onto your bus, but he's not like full drill sergeant mode. He gets on, talks to you like you're an idiot. You go and do your admin stuff. And then when you leave 30th AG and get to where you're actually going for training, that's when you get the shark attack. One drill sergeant starts screaming at you to get off the bus, and then that's when they just fuck with you. They call it they used to call it phases and like the red phase was when they were just up your shit all day every day uh, waking you up at like three in the morning or whatever like doing all that kind of stuff but it was a shark attack where they would just try to destroy people and I think just kind of figure out who the weak links were and then you you see videos of it all the time multiple drill sergeants like all up on like one person oh, yeah, and you can, the they're, they're all just screaming different commands at the same part. And you're like, Oh dude, bit, I, I get it. To? Oh my God. And it's like, it's just a, there is no right situation. There's no right way to get out of that. You know what I mean? It's nope. just funny as shit is what it is. So I appreciate that stuff very much. See, but personally. I felt like it was different in the Marine Corps. It was yeah. like, Hey, we're going to get you this like five star hotel at the Radisson. They're like so nice to you. Oh, yeah. Until you get (laughs) on the the bus. And then you're, then it's from there, it's like what you're calling the shark attack. It like, it doesn't stop. No. Yeah. It's three months of that. Yeah. 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 Straight. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, the last week, you get like, right, right, right. You're like, you know, once you, you know, you done proved yourself. So that's why recruiters get so much shit. You know what I mean? Because of like, 
what they promise you, and then when you get down there and see what it's about, yep. you know what I mean? But dude, it's super fucked up too, because I don't know how it is for at Paris Island, but in San Diego, the airport is right next to the depot. But they like drive around for some reason. But the whole time you have to have your head down. So then I was gonna say I don't know where we flew in at. But yeah. all I know is we got on a bus. Yep. And it was like we were on an island. Yep. Even though we weren't, but we had to put our head down. Put we your head even down. Look where we were going. Like you just put your head down. And and then for the next three months you get to watch planes take off. Oh, that's gotta just be a little. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, listen, it's so fucked up. Like what, Paris Island, like. Sand fleas are eating your body parts, like your ears or whatever, Ugh, and you yeah. can't even scratch them without getting in trouble. Yeah, <laughs> like again, it's like natural to, like you know. It's just a, again, it's like, just an unwinnable situation. It's, it's so unwinnable. Yeah, like all the stress and stuff that you have to to deal with there. But again, it's like. Does that shit prepare you for when you go overseas and you got to deal with all the bullshit over there? Like, mm, I guess. Does yeah. anything really prepare you for that? just depends on your no, experience. No, I think just being in, like, just being in it. Just being, Because just... Iraq 05, I mean, I could tell you, like, just in the my first deployment alone was so many different aspects of a deployment. Yeah. So, like, you know, oh, you're going, where are you going? TQ. Okay, cool. Right? Like, no big deal. Right. Because I'm, like, in the S4, so no big deal. I'm like, Oh, this guy needs a truck? Okay, cool. Right. But then it's like, oh, hey, we need a female search team. Any E3s in here? You raise your hand. And then, so then how do you get prepared for that? Because then now you're actually going out into the shit. Yeah. And so, like, then you come back from that and they're like, oh, hey, we're going to send you to Kuwait because FSSG is going to turn into MLG. So we got to rip the gear. Like, we got to what? Like, okay. And searching people is its own level of like anxiety and stuff to me just because the smell the smell no matter what you, you when you watch movies and stuff you never get the smell so it's like but when and i talked about this quick side note when all the stuff was happening in ukraine i had like a flashback and i didn't realize because i smelled carbon in my house when i was watching all the explosions i could smell it and my i talked to my therapist about it because i walked around my house that night trying to figure out something was on fucking fire and it was just i was like having a little bit of a flashback but like yeah the smell is 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 the second you get off the plane i mean you know that fucking smell but like searching people is so different too than the movies in my opinion because it's like I don't know. And I, I've been lucky in the situations that I was in where we searched people and vehicles, but it's like there's no dramatic music to cue you in that something's That's going to happen. happen. Like right. you're just so there. Every person is like, is this the one? And like for the most part, like at least with the guys that are driving V beds and stuff, like you can see the anxiety and like the fear and all that other kind of stuff. We're like, okay. But most of the time, especially if it's somebody wearing a burka, you're just like, fucking, I don't know if anything's going to happen. Like that's terrifying to me too, I think. But anyway. Um, okay. So I think we are almost at like, what time do we start? At Remember? One, one after one, maybe a little after one. All right. Yeah. We got to get close to wrapping this up. We're an hour and a half already. Yeah. Um, you just talked about prevention. Okay. How do you guys, or is there anything else that you guys do to prevent or deal with being depressed? Take my meds on time. The right meds. I think getting improperly diagnosed um, is an issue. And so when you're improperly diagnosed because, you know, they want to say it's this or that first, like one, you have to full get you gotta kind of got to understand what you're going through yeah and then you got to actually talk about it yeah. like that's a i think 
egotistic. I heard you say the ego thing earlier. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are like, well, I don't want to tell them that because then they're going to think I'm crazy. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. you got to tell them that so that they know what to actually give you yeah. or tell you is wrong with you. Yes. Um, because you don't want to be taking bipolar meds when you're just depressed. And you don't want to take depression meds when you actually have bipolar. Right. Like you want to be medicated properly um that's number one yeah i can tell you 100 percent. if i do not take my meds if i miss my meds i can't sleep like i can't think my brain doesn't stop it's 24 7 it's like like it's just i don't even know how to explain it it's just like it's a real bad day so one thing that goes the wrong way it's like the end of the world um so that's number one is i take my meds i take my meds on time and if I ever start to feel like I have a problem with my meds, I, I email my doctor. I say, hey, something's not right. This ain't working or this is how I'm feeling. I think it's a really, really good point because a lot of people, especially in the veteran community, I think, Earl, and I'm victim of this, as I talked about, kind of being anti-med a lot of the time. But when it comes to dealing with anything, first off, it's very clear to say this for like the 80,000th time. I'm not a professional. You got to talk to a professional and you got to listen to what these professionals say. And if you need medications, the most important thing is one, it's the correct diagnosis, like you said, which is so hard. Like we're working against so many things because it's like you have to be open with what's going on. You don't even want to fucking talk about it, but you have to talk about everything because like you just said, if you leave out the wrong details, they might put you on a wrong medication because of what you told them it's not necessarily the provider's fault in that instance because they're going off of what you said they don't know you so it's like you say you gotta let them know what's going on so they can make the recommendation you try it you do it you do it as it's uh as it was prescribed to you and then if there's any issues that you talk to the doctor about it and make adjustments like that's very that should be a big part of anybody that's dealing with like severe depression, severe anything is like you, you talk to the professional, you do what they say. And when it comes to medications, you got to do it right. Otherwise you're not going to know if it works or not. Like I've heard veterans say, you know, I'm taking this medication and it doesn't work. And first question is like, are you taking it as prescribed? Cause usually it's because you're not like you forget it for a few days and then you start taking it again. And a lot of these medications from my understanding, like it takes weeks, if not months sometimes for it to really start working. Yep. So if you take it for a few days, stop taking it for a few days. Okay. Well, it's just going to take either one. It's going to take longer for it to work or it's just not going to work because you're not taking it regularly. So you're not giving it a fair chance to see if it actually works or not. So I think, yeah, that's a really, good point um some of the things that i found too in addition to what brad said other tips to deal with uh, depression per the national institute of mental health uh, again what we just talked about the first one is always seek professional help like seek professional help especially if you're a veteran listening to this there are so many resources out there but you need to seek professional help um outside of that the fda has not approved any natural products for depression shocking But some of the things we just talked about, try to get physical activity. Just 30 minutes a day of walking can boost your mood. Trying to maintain a regular bedtime, wake up time, eating regular healthy meals. That's another important one, too, because it's like you eat shitty food. You're going to feel shit. You're going to feel shitty. Like, so yeah, eat healthy food. Uh, All that makes makes a big impact. Break up large tasks into small ones. Do what you can. Decide what must get done and what can wait. Try to connect with people. Talk with people that you trust about how you're feeling. Delay making important decisions. 
like getting married, divorced, changing jobs until you feel better. Um, excuse me. You want to be more emotionally regular before you make a giant decision like that. So that goes for depression. That goes for anything that would require, you know, that level of emotional imbalance. And that also applies to any grunt that's about to get deployed. Don't get married. Don't get divorced. Wait until you're emotionally regular. And then uh, avoid using alcohol, nicotine, drugs, uh, including medications that have not been prescribed to you. I mean, alcohol, people can say what they want about alcohol. I've always said that I feel like alcohol just takes whatever you're feeling at the moment. And and even if you're hiding it or whatever, it's going to bring that shit up. Most of the time... It's depression. Yeah. yeah. Most of the time... I've been told, because I don't drink very often, but when I do, like, I'm a pretty happy drunk. Yeah. Because usually if I'm going to drink, I'm in a pretty good space mentally. Because if I'm not, I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to drink. Because I have before, and it never went well. You know what I'm saying? So all that stuff definitely kind of makes sense to me. Um, Are there any other ways that you guys have found to deal with depression? Walking. Walking's good. Being outside, good. Being outside, yeah. And I, I tend to self-medicate. Yep. Yeah. Not yeah, like, yeah. Not prescription. Just like, just like with anything else. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you got to try and see what works. And there's plenty of positive things that are coming out there. Oh, yeah. Um, in which we've talked about before. Yeah. Like studies that you can look up on your own as far as the impact of marijuana, CBD, yep. psychedelics, psilocybin, MDMA. All these other things that we're starting to see can also have some pretty positive impacts. There's some really cool studies about MDMA and psilocybin with PTSD and depression and shit like that that I've seen out there too. Yeah. But, and with pain. And with pain, yeah. Yeah. And I think like, um, have either one of you ever read the book Atomic Habits by James Clear? I have. It's a good fucking book. It is a good book. You're making, so, you're making us Marines look bad. We don't read. Come I on. I do read. I'm just kidding. She knows how to read. And that's First why she, Marine on here. And that that's why she was a gunnery sergeant and I was only way. a corporal. <laughs> so one of the things that James Clear talks about in Atomic Habits, it was one of my favorites, is the very beginning, one of his stories about the British cycling team. And he talks about this British cycling team. And I'm going to paraphrase stuff. I'm probably going to get it wrong. But essentially, there's this British cycling team that was terrible. They were really bad and everybody, they were like a joke. And what the, this new coach came in and this new coach just started making and he has a spe- specific term for it maybe you know but it was like incremental improvements like one percent improvements they were like okay uh what seats more comfortable what clothes are lighter what stretches could they do and like all of these little things and before he knew it he turned this team into a championship team by the the team that was at the lowest of the low that nobody supported and everybody laughed at to the team that was winning everything all the time. And so you see something like that. And and if you can draw any parallels from that, it's like you can't discount the importance of incremental improvements in your life. Like if it's take, if you have a super busy life and you can cut out five minutes a day, 10 minutes a day to just go sit outside by yourself, enjoy your cup of coffee, walk, whatever the fuck it is, you know, like those are little improvements. And James Clear's argument, or or I guess for lack of a better word in that book is like, if you can try to make a 1% improvement every day, even if you fail two thirds of the time next year, this time you're going to be a hundred percent better than you were this time. And conversely, if you take steps back 
and you're doing things that would be more destructive at 1% more every day, you're going to be, if it was every day, over 364 times more worse off than you are right now. Like it's when he explained that it kind of really resonated with me about the decisions that I make every day. And you have to be consistent. Like we've talked about consistency is everything, whether it's your workouts, your diets, like whatever, like once you get into it, you got to hold yourself to that standard. Yep. You know what I mean? <clears throat> yeah. Some yeah. of the things, um, so if we're hitting on books real quick, there's yep. a couple of really, really awesome books that like I read that I thought like, I mean, these are just reads you need to read. What do you got? Girl, wash your face. You told me about that one. Super awesome book. Every female, I mean, every, any gender could read it, but every female that's ever went through anything that's like hurt, like deep hurt, like a divorce or like a child loss or something that's like a deep hurt would like, I mean, this book is just like life changing. So it could be beneficial for anybody, but specifically like me, I, I read it right after I was decided I was going to get a divorce. It was like the best book I could have read. Yeah. And then never split the difference. Well, Girl, Wash Your Face by Rachel, Rachel Hollis. Hollis. Yeah. Okay, very cool. And then what was the other one? Never Split the Difference. Never Split the Difference. What's that one about? Oh, uh, this is about like, um, like bartering, basically. Like, um, it's like, I don't know how to paraphrase it, but it's, it talks about like how, like you are... Like if if this is the amount that you're worth, like don't say like oh I'll I'll cover the difference. So if like we're going out to eat and I order a cheeseburger and a fry and you order seventeen beers, I'm not splitting the bill with you. Right. I'm gonna pay for my cheeseburger. Right. But a lot of times, how many people say like oh I'll just split the bill? No, right. I didn't drink seventeen beers. Right. So I got my ice water with lemon. Right. And my burger, I'm gonna pay for that. And so it's like um, teaching like the balance on how, like how to, I think like make boundaries for people, yes. you know, stuff that people don't have, like, yeah. um, no is a complete sentence, stuff like that, like right. stuff that we just don't know. And I think um, when you're talking about depression, some of the things that we, we, I say we like me, I lacked boundaries with people. Yep. which led to more depression because yep. then I thought like, well, I need all these people in my corner. So I need to do stuff for these people. But like, it wasn't beneficial for me. Right. It like actually was hurting me more. Yeah. And then when you lack boundaries, the people who benefit from those are the people who are benefiting from you not having boundaries. Right. So like, I think just self-help books, like a hundred percent will help get the depression and, to wherever like because you might not even know where you are in the depression right and then you read this book and you're like why does that sound like me yes like dang it i need that and i think that like almost no matter what there are people out there that have been through what you've been through or worse and luckily a lot of them have written about it yeah and so you you find those things and you read those things and you really like you said you're like oh this resonates with me. It really helps you out. And I mean, it's a good way to start pulling yourself out of those tough spots and also coming to the realization that like you might have a problem more significant than you think. Uh, that was never split the difference. It's negotiating Chris as if your life depends on it. You said Chris Voss. Chris Voss. Pretty cool. Any other ones you got? <laughs> have you read The Body Keeps the Score yet? No. Mm -hmm. This is why, because, okay, for the record, when you said, do you read? 
like no, I listen to it on Audible. Right. So I have Audible. Um, no shame reads. in that game. No shame. <laughs> Can't read. I knew so, that. Okay. Well, well so the, what is it? What is the one? Uh, Atomic Habits. Habits. Yeah, Atomic Habits. For the record, like for the first three months of that book, I thought um, before I picked it up because somebody suggested it to me, I thought it was Automatic Habits. <laughs> <laughs> Automatic Habits. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so even when I started, I was like, man, I fucked that up. And then <laughs> I'm like, is there even a U in the word atomic? It's Marines. <laughs> Marines, guys. And hey. that's when I realized I yep. needed audible. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> word big, word me no like. Me like small words. Where's great? I was just, I was gonna recommend my favorite book, but I don't know. The Clifford. Cat. It was the, either the cat in the hat or green eggs and ham. I don't know if you're joking or not. I'm not. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, they're great books, man. Yeah. I got to the point where I memorized nice pictures. I memorized the cat in the hat because that was my one of my kids' Say favorite books. Say one part. What? Say one part. One part. No, of, of the <laughs> book. Of the book. Um, the sun did not shine. Uh, it was. I, I, not, not, you put me on the I spot. Put you on I can't, the spot. Yep. I can't do it. I'm but I tried to memorize it because that was my kid's favorite book. And then when I lost my vision, I was like, shit, I can't see the words anymore. So I tried to. Read it again to memory? Memorize it, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I like that. It didn't work out very much. Well,. And I, I've told this story like several times and I'll tell it again because I just think it's a really fucking good story. But uh, Alan Milne, Alan Milne wrote Winnie the Pooh and Alan Milne was also in the fucking bloodiest battle of World War One, the Battle of the Somme. And he got out of it and people are like, like he wrote Winnie the Pooh and people argue what they think it's about. And my opinion was he perfectly took all of the shit that he was feeling and he put it into all of these different animals. And that was his fucking PTSD is what it was. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he was in the bloodiest battle of World War One, and... You know, you had a, a tiger that was hyperactive. You had a depressed donkey. You had an egotistical uh, rabbit. rabbit. Like, you had all of these symptoms of, like, PTSD. And he wrote a book about it for kids that would be revered and loved for years and years and years after his death. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, the power of finding a really good book, even if it's a kid's book, doesn't mean it's a bad book. There is a you know great I mean? kid's book. Um, man, I can't think of what it's called, but it's 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 about complex feelings so it talks about like when you're angry mad or um, oh. sad mad so mm. a lot of times we teach our kids like a feeling like i'm sad right now but what if they're mad and they're sad or they're they're happy and they're excited like so i think it, you sent that book to me once maybe you told me about it before i think but it's like um sometimes as grown-ups like you ever think about it like I'm not just sad. I'm pissed off and right. I'm angry, which right. makes me also sad. And so maybe if we, you know, go back to the basics, sometimes we can um, unravel some of the stuff that's in our brain too. I think it's a really good point. And I was trying to find in my notes where I wrote it, but I can't find it right now. But essentially one of the things that I found too, and I don't know if I said this, was like kids when they have depression when they're younger it doesn't always manifest as uh, sadness. It, it manifests more as like irritability and these other these other emotions, which is kind of scary because then like you think of depression, you think of sadness, but if that's not how it's really showing itself. Like I think, yeah, being aware of like how complex your emotions can be is a really, really important thing. I mean, I've, I've worked... I work with my daughters on it to make sure that they always know how they're feeling and that they're very clear with their boundaries and like they can say what they're feeling. And like, I really, it's cool when you get to watch 
your daughter say like she'll say like i'm embarrassed right now like she knows that she's embarrassed that's great because like the source of everything is understanding what's going on and if you know what you are then we can move somewhere from here we can figure something out from here so yeah that's really cool i mean i think it's a good idea to have books like that especially for kids um other than that do you is there anything else that you guys wanted to say about depression did we cover it I think so. That was pretty, pretty solid. Good. Yeah. It's not too bad. No. We did good. Yeah. Uh, we'll finish up with a note from the Fine family. Uh, this is a message that came into our Facebook page, I'm Fine Podcast, from our friend Dan. Uh, so here is what Dan sent us. Uh, I'm just finishing the episode about losing a parent. I'm listening this. I'm listening as I finish my drive to Elwood to Abraham Lincoln National Cemetery to visit my parents on the one-year anniversary of my dad's passing. Thank you for making this episode. Unfortunately, my situation combines Melanie's with Eric's and Brad's. I found my dad passed away in his home unexpectedly. My mom was actually in the hospital at the same time dealing with her own stuff. Her health did not get better, and I lost her 102 days later. Uh, This has been an unbelievable year, and I thank you for sharing your stories while listening. I laughed, I cried, and I related. This is a great podcast for anyone who wants to say that they are fine when they may not be. This conversation is always great to listen to, and again, I can't thank you enough for what you do. That was from Dan. Thank you very much for saying that, Dan. Very sorry for what you've been through, my friend. So, again... Remember, if you're dealing with depression, if you're dealing with any of this other stuff, you are not alone. Please always feel free to reach out to us. Reach out to a professional if you need it. And, uh, you know, your fine family is always going to be here. So thank you again for tuning into another great episode. And we'll see you guys again real soon.